welcome to a, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself signing him sit at the corner of faith and pop culture and discuss the issues that come by. And coming up a little bit later, we're going to actually have, I believe, as our first guest, real-life guest on the show. Uh, Sean Brink, an author, is going to be joining us talking about Pets for Legion. And so stay tuned for that. But, Dan, in the past, we have talked about different things, celebrities and others in the news expressing their faith, their beliefs, their, you know, whatever it is they go through. And we recently talked about Kat Von D and her baptism. You know, she's somebody that was, I guess, a tattoo artist to start. Now she's a singer, an entertainer, I guess, is the overall umbrella of who she is. And she had her baptism. And she had it videoed, and it was on social media. And so that was the first time a lot of people really started to see a faith-based Kat Von D versus this witchcraft Kat Von D, this dark, this uh, temptress, this whatever she described herself as in the past. Uh, she was all tatted up, and now she's starting to cover some of those tattoos. But she really didn't mention too much about her faith journey. It was just this video a couple of little things on social media kind of leading up to this baptism. But now she's come out on a podcast and she's come out and spoken more publicly about her faith. And one of the things that she mentions is that she is on fire for Jesus. And so she's starting to share her faith-based story a little bit more. And the irony is still, if you really want to look at society today, you know, she becoming a Christian, being baptized, but I guess her husband still isn't, although he attends church and stuff. So when you're looking to a person like Kat Von D and the influence that she has and the world that she's been in, witchcraft and other things, and the circle, the social circle that she has with people that are probably also in this world, there's an opportunity here for someone to really be a light in the darkness and sharing the message of Jesus and salvation to a lot of people that have probably been oppressed by a lot of darkness, a lot of satanic witchcraft and other things. So it's pretty exciting when you see someone like this starting to come forward and being excited about the, the gospel of Christ. Yeah, it, it definitely is, Son. And um, as I told you uh, before we went on the air, I'm, I'm very impressed with the article that Fox News uh, ran on their on their website about uh, Kat Von D, and I'm also impressed with some of her quotes in the article, uh, where she explained that in her 20s she had a free thinking mentality to question everything, especially authority, and that of course is very common uh, to men and, and women. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, it's natural to question authority. Um, that of course you know led her to look into New Age practices like witchcraft, meditation, and yoga. Um, and, and she says, I was just searching for answers and meaning in so many of the wrong places, like most people do. And so she describes how after struggling with alcohol and drugs, she became sober uh, almost 17 years ago. Uh, but um, she still found the, the non-Christian spirituality wasn't helping her, um, you know, kind of comparing it to like uh, a Band-Aid on a sinking ship. And so one night, um, she decided to throw away all her books on witchcraft and other New Age practices. Uh, she describes them as crutches that she had at the time. And she said, I don't want these crutches in my life anymore. And that's really, um, and that's what I, really I saw them as. Uh, I want Jesus, and it's a very narrow road. I feel like all these other, these breathing techniques or spell work, nature worship, all these things, 
They're just crutches. They're not really my answer. And so for me, I would rather eliminate any distractions. And this is just what works for me, uh, Kat said. So uh, it is. It, it's wonderful. And as you said, Son, you know, she was quoted in the article as saying, I'm on fire for Jesus. And then I like what she added to that. I don't plan on this dimming out. Um, the more and more I learn, the more excited I get about things and the more at ease I am about what's happening in this world and what's happening in my marriage in all of it. Uh, and, uh, she also noted, son, she still has friends into new age practices like, uh, tarot, uh, witchcraft and, uh, uh, meditation. But, but she feels like she said they are miserable and she admits that she was one of them. Um, and, and, and so, um, you know, she, she wants them now to be able to experience what she has. And it's just, it's just wonderful that, uh, she has come to know the Lord, that she's fired up for Jesus and, um, and, and that she's, you know, now living out this, uh, this relationship with the Lord that she has, uh, as, as her Lord and, and savior. Um, so, uh, it, you know, I know son, we, we talked about her, like you say, on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, with her baptism. Uh, but, uh, I think this article now that Fox News printed, um, we can hope and pray that, um, that many, many young people, especially Son, read that, you know, in recent days, in the last week, there've been numerous reports about the, the huge percentage of young people today who are influenced by TikTok and, and really, uh, influenced largely by Chinese propaganda, um, and, and liberal propaganda and, 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 uh, non-Christian propaganda. And uh, not, not only in terms of, you know, like, like political news and, and social uh, things going on, but, but that really then bleeds into to spiritual uh, matters as well. And, and, and so the fact that, you know, Fox News would, would run this article uh, and, and really with the headline that, you know, that, that, that she's now born again and, and she's fired up for Jesus, um, this is what everyone needs this is what young people need this is what they're not getting uh most of them anyway on on tiktok or um so, some of the other uh you know uh platforms and so forth and social media so i think it's, it's great that um that, that this is happening in her life and and she's just a, a great uh witness and testimony song uh, to what god's grace can do when these other things like witchcraft leave you empty um, they leave you hungering for something real um, because those are counterfeit, counterfeit uh, forms of spirituality. And, and what I mean by that is they don't satisfy the deep needs of your soul. We were created by God in a way that we only find our uh, satisfaction, fulfillment, and of course, salvation in him and, and in Christ alone. So we need, we need God's forgiveness. Cat now has that. And, uh, it's wonderful to see that she's not, you know, she's not ashamed to tell the world, excuse me, to tell the world about it. You know, one of her, the things about her is her, I guess her image, you know, that dark black clothing, the dark black hair, the tattoos, which she's covering up some of them. I'm not sure if she's going to cover up all of them. And she's just putting like black ink over them, you know, and it still kind of reveals this darkness uh, image. That's not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But when someone changes, okay, because later on we're going to have Sean Brink joining us, and you know he's a, a Christian author that talk that writes in the genre of like horror, fantasy, supernatural things like that. 
does someone necessarily like Kat Von D have to change her image, her appearance to be more Christ-like? Or do you think that she can still just kind of be herself if that's what she chooses to be and her fashion style happens to remain the same, uh, you know, her makeup style, her hairstyle? Because to a certain degree, I'm of the belief that some people will recognize that and want to relate to that because they're not going to be the suit and tie person. They're not going to be that traditional, you know, televangelist type person and fall for that and be like, that is not me. I don't want to become that. Therefore, I'm just going to reject God and be myself. However, when you have these people that become a little bit more controversial and maybe they're not the traditional Christian that we think of, they might be able to influence somebody and be a witness for somebody that the normal person might not be. Is, do you think there's any, any sense to that, that that could be true? Or do you think that when we become a Christian, we need to really get rid of all of our past, including our fashion, including our look, and really become like this, you know, Puritan, so to speak, to live a life for God? Well, you know, son, I think we have a perfect example and an answer to your question in the history and really the recent history in our country. By recent, I mean, um, you know, in the last, uh, you know, 50, uh, 60 years, uh, when you go back and look at the Jesus revolution, uh, and the Jesus movement really, uh, was, uh, was what they called it back then, the Jesus movement, uh, the movie now that they made about it, it's called Jesus revolution, but, um, the Jesus people, uh, you know, and, and, and Chuck Smith, who was uh pastor of Calvary chapel, uh, was, uh, very much a part of that as, uh, Greg Laurie came, came to faith through that and has gone on now, of course, to, uh, preach the gospel um, to so many, you know, really hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but but it was a movement largely, really, their son of hippies and people coming into the church who did not fit the mold of what of what you thought of as, as church going people. Um, in, in fact, you know, the, the long hair and, you know, maybe the, the flip flops or bare feet or just, just the clothing of a hippie. And, you know, Chuck Smith, to his credit, um, you know, he did not try to get these young people to conform outwardly to what other people might say a Christian should look like. Um, he allowed them to come as they were. I mean, you know, not, not that you're going to be coming in with, with, with anything that is going to be, um, you know, inappropriate. I mean, obviously, if, if, if somebody was coming to a service, let's say, you know, scantily clad, you know, hardly anything on. I mean, I know that, that, that would need to be addressed because that's going to be, uh, a, a distraction, a temptation, a inappropriate. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that sort of thing, but I'm talking about other types of, 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 of the, the hippie look, let's say that, that, that these, these kids were, um, that's who they were. And, and, and many were coming to know Christ and, um, and, and the fact then, you know, really found that, that they could walk into a church and see many others who look like them, that was something that made them, you know, even more comfortable about, about coming back. Now, now wh- whether we want to admit it or not, I think most of us and most people are that way. Um, I mean, granted, you've got some churches where there's a, a beautiful mixture of, of, you know, different types of, of, of people with, uh, you know, many different levels of income and, you know, you might have a, a hippie and you might have a, you know, a, uh, a medical doctor or whatever, you know, not that he couldn't be one of the same, I suppose. But anyway, um, you know, you, 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 you find people many times, I think, son, you know, for good or bad, right or wrong. Um, you know, it should just be that you go into a church 
and if the Holy Spirit's moving and you're being fed, then it shouldn't matter what, who else is in there. And, and so ideally that's the case. I mean, in heaven, um, there'll be people from, you know, uh, every nation and, and, uh, and, and we, and we don't look the same. We don't have the same, um, uh, we're really just the same appearance in, in, in different ways. And we find that in America today, you, you've got people who, who look differently and you're referencing, you know, like people let's say with tattoos. Okay. Um, and, and I suppose son, if somebody walked into a church and, and they had tattoos and, and, and they saw some people with tattoos as compared to just seeing everybody, let's say wearing a suit and looking really buttoned up. Uh, I mean, some people want that buttoned up, uh, kind of, uh, people, um, like I say, not that church should ever be about that. Not that the Bible ever instructs a person to like, you know, seek that to seek, well, what are you comfortable with, uh, in terms of appearance? Um, that, that, that's really never to be, uh, the focus, but I think the reality of it is that, um, either consciously or subconsciously affects people. And I think there are many of us on that if we walked into a place and, and everybody looks significantly different than us, and I'm not even talking now about race. I mean, obviously there are those differences and it's terrible if anybody, um, you know, uh, is, uh, you know, is committing the sin of, of prejudice and, and, and is looking down on somebody because of the race. I mean, then, then the last thing that you're doing is really, uh, you know, growing in your faith in a church, you, you, you need to deal with your racist views, but I, I'm not even really talking about race as much, although that does, I think, factor in here. I mean, I think people do, a lot of people tend to feel more comfortable, right or wrong. If, if there are more people there like them, uh, in terms of their race, uh, I think that's in many ways unfortunate because we should be able, we should be colorblind. If there was any place that should be colorblind, it should be the church. Um, and, uh, but I've certainly witnessed son in my life in 33 years as a pastor. I mean, I've certainly seen that that's not always the case. Um, and, and not everybody is colorblind. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, blessed very early in my years in ministry. Um, in fact, right out of seminary. Uh, to work in the inner city of of St. Louis and to work in the uh, the black community there and very exciting um, and I'd already been doing some work um, in uh, in the uh, inner city of, of, of Omaha before I um, you know uh, went to seminary but um, not everybody has that advantage not everybody has that experience not everybody um, maybe has stepped across that line whereby, they're rubbing shoulders significantly with people of another race or in the case of Chuck Smith, you know, with hippies. Uh, I'm sure there were people in Chuck Smith's church like, well, you know, what are these hippies? Um, you know, w- w- what are these hippies doing here? And, um, y- 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 you know, uh, so um, it- it's-, it's just uh, one of those things that I think we have to learn to accept one another. Um, we-, we-, we have to learn to um uh, to love one another, uh, to not base our acceptance on appearance, but to base our acceptance on the fact that God accepts us uh, through Christ. And, and we're united, you know, in Christ, not based on our appearance. So it is very unfortunate when church-going people, professing Christians, um, you know, will look down, let's say, on someone because of their appearance, or will not want them, you know, to be part of their church. And I'll tell you something, like I say, in 33 years as a pastor, I, I never have, nor would I ever want to be part of a, uh, of a church where 
where that becomes, um, you know, something that uh, the, the, the people in the church are, are looking at. To me, that that's not that's not Christ's church. Um, when when that spirit gets in there, uh, whether it be racial prejudice, whether it be some other form of um, you know favoritism that's being shown in the Bible, speaks very strongly against that sort of thing happening. You know, in the, in, in Corinth, in the Bible, son, they they were doing this. But it was a kind of an economic thing. Um, you know, the people uh, who had a significant amount of money were looking down on those who couldn't afford to bring um, the items for the agape feast, the, the potluck dinner. And, and it was causing all sorts of problems in the church. And then uh, subsequently then in their celebration of the Lord's Supper. So they were, they were judging others based on their income for crying out loud. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, where is the spirit of Christ in any of that? Where is the Holy Spirit in any of that? Um, I don't care how much money you have or don't have. If, if that's what your church is about, that's not anything close to a good representation of a, of a Christian church or New Testament church. And that's why Paul came down so strongly on those in Corinth, because they were falling into that trap. They were um, uh, allowing there to be cliques in the church. And I'll tell you what, there should never be a clique in the body of Christ. Um, yes, we come in as different people, different backgrounds, different tastes, different appearances, uh, different races. Um, but, but, you know, once we come to Christ, we are one in Christ, and we're to celebrate that. We're to love one another as God loved us. And any form of, of favoritism, separatism, prejudice, um, you know, or, or not wanting a certain type of people, a certain type of, of Christian who looks a certain way to be part of our church. Like I say, I, I, I've never wanted to be part of that. And, and I'm, I'm thankful, Son, that, that, that our church is, 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 is certainly not uh, uh, experiencing that. Even in a small degree, uh, I'm not aware of any anything, uh, because I would certainly um, want to speak to anyone if I sense they were, um, were doing that. But we're blessed in our church not to have that. But um, I know there are churches where that, that does seem to go on. And it's very unfortunate. I think it's a terrible witness. And this has just been a long answer to your question, Son, that I think if, you know, going back to the whole tattoo thing, um, you know, I think some people, if, if they have tattoos or they kind of come out of a, a background where that was just part of their life and they come into a church and they see others like that, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it may, uh, for good or bad, make them feel a little more comfortable. And, oh, hey, well, at least I'm going to be accepted here. I'm not going to be, you know, looked down on because I have this tattoo on my arm or whatever. Now, when you look at the life of someone like Kat Von D and what she's gone through, witchcraft, um, alcohol and drug abuse, apparently, um, although she's been sober for 17 years, but she went through that. Um, she kind of went through all these different other experiences, like even with non-Christian spirituality, as she refers to it. You know, a lot of deep and dark stuff, you know, and, and witchcraft can really kind of become a place of no return if you're not careful. I mean, you know, the Satan can really grab you. The demons can really grab a hold of you and not let go. But you look at someone like this and what she's gone through, it just shows that there is no place that you can go where God can't reach you. No matter what depth you're in, what abyss you're in, no place you can go or sink to in any lows where God can't reach you. 
And you look at like someone like this who, you know, is now on fire for Jesus, like you mentioned, who's not dimming out, getting excited more and more as she reads about it. And I think it's just another example for people to, you know, oh, and the other thing too is we talk about this all the time. You know, we take moments and we reflect on our life, you know, whether it was during the pandemic like she did. We always talk about, you know, taking a minute to reflect on our lives and see how our lives are going. And that's what she did. And she did not like what she saw. And she was, you know, felt this void that I'm not being fulfilled in whatever it is that I'm doing. And now her journey took her to, you know, a new faith in Christ. And so it's it's an example of if you're out there, no matter what you're going through, God can reach you. All you have to do is call out. And there's no place you can't go where God can't find you because he will always be able to be more powerful than anything that we suffer here on earth, but we have to be willing to accept him and be willing to take that help because he's not going to force his will on us and make us do something that we don't want to do. So like Kat Von D, it became, I want to do this, and then her baptism, and then she put the video out there because she wanted people to see, and you know, I think she wrote Making Atonement for the Past, but anyways... But it's it's a it's a, a testimony to God and what He can do that no matter where you're at, He can still find you and He can still pull you out of any depth of the abyss that you might be in. That is such a great point, Son, and you're exactly right that um, if 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 a church or Christians ever give the impression that you know the, the church is for people who you know, have come out of like a, a squeaky clean background, which by the way, I mean. Nobody has that. Even if, if they try to pretend they have, we're all sinful. Um, sometimes those who appear to be the most squeaky clean are, are filled with the most pride or, or the most uh, judgmental attitude toward others. So even though the world may, may view them as somewhat squeaky clean, um, in, in heaven's view, they're actually greater sinners, if you will, than maybe the, the drug addict out there, the person on the street who's uh, you know uh, you know living in a way that's not glorifying God. So, so my only point is, um, absolutely, uh, you know, the, the, the appearance, the, um, the background, uh, the, um, the look, if you will, uh, is, is, is something that is, is going to vary from one person to the next. And I do think that, uh, one thing Kat and, and her experience shows people is that, you know, you can come from a background like hers. Maybe you were, maybe you were involved in witchcraft or something very dark. Maybe something else. I mean, maybe you were involved in, in prostitution. Maybe you were involved in drug dealing. I mean, um, you know, God can redeem and restore and forgive and change, and he does that every day. And, uh, you know, there are probably a lot of churches where people might walk in and feel like, well, hey, you know, nobody here came out of that kind of a background. And, and that might be true in some churches. Um, but, but that's not the real world in the sense that the real world is much broader than, than you know, just people who've come out of a, more of a maybe more of a kind of a sterile background when compared to like a cat's background but like i say even that so-called sterile background um if we were to have heaven's uh, perspective on it um i i really believe son that um that in many many cases those you know buttoned up examples of of, of people who are now following christ and and who maybe don't have the the radical wild testimony of of the wild life that they used to live um if truth be told it's very probable in many cases that, that their sins of pride and judging others and maybe lying and being deceitful, all sorts of things, you know, uh, that, that you don't necessarily see just by looking at a person's appearance, okay? 
um, that those things really would, would place that person, in, not, not that heaven has a scale like this, but would place a person on the scale really uh, as a greater sinner. I, I mean, I would, I would compare it to the Pharisees in the New Testament. I mean, Jesus treated them as worse sinners than the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Their, their uh, pharisaical, proud, judgmental, arrogant attitudes, um, you know, really are what led Jesus to come out with his harshest rebukes and condemnations. And, and, and so you, you get a very good idea of, of how heaven and how the Lord views that sort of idea, even though they appeared buttoned up. Uh, you know, they appeared to be, you know, have all of their ducks in a row and they looked the part, if you will, but their hearts were dark. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we talk about, well, cat was involved in things of darkness. Well, she was, I mean, witchcraft and so forth. I mean, that, that's dark, but, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily any more dark than, than, than the person who's a bigot or, or the, the person who's a, who's a Pharisee. Um, in, in many ways, I think that's even darker. So, um, I, we're going down the wrong path as a, as a, as a church, let's say, um, uh, if, if, if the focus starts to become on, uh, if the focus becomes the outer appearance, um, you know, I think about that verse in the old Testament, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I have no doubt today, son, that when the Lord looks at cat, he's looking at her heart and he is very pleased. I'm convinced with her heart, assuming everything she's saying is true. I have no reason to believe it isn't. So, um, you know, uh, he's very pleased, I believe, with her heart, and he's not looking at, uh, you know, uh, the outward appearance. That that's, you know, that's not uh, the focus uh, that that that, um, that we need to have, uh, or, or that the Lord has. Uh, you know, his focus is on the inside. And what do he say about the Pharisees? You know, these people worship me with their uh, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's what got the Lord. Um, so um, angry with righteous anger because their hearts weren't right with him. And that should always be where we're trying to, um, you know, lead people um, to the place where David, after he sinned in his sin of, of adultery uh, with Bathsheba and then having her husband killed, um, you know, so he was guilty of adultery and murder and he was miserable after that. And, and then in Psalm 51, David said, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So he had messed up his heart, but he recognized it. He, he, he repented of it. He confessed it to the Lord. And, and this is what God's looking for. Um, you know, uh, a, a broken and contrite heart, um, repentance, sorrow over sin, um, a, a desire to do the Lord's will. And this brings us back to where we started on this discussion here about, about Pat. And, and she's fired up for Jesus. Um, she's not focusing on the outward. Um, she'll minister to anybody. And, uh, uh sadly though, son, I think there are some churches that, uh, don't have that same spirit in the hearts of some of their people. They're not looking to minister to anybody. They, they want only those who look like them or look a certain way. And, um, I, I see nothing in the new Testament that, uh, approves of that sort of behavior, that sort of attitude. Well, it will be interesting to see how, the witness and testimony of Kat Von D uh, carries on as uh, time goes by. So that will definitely be something of interest. Now, Dan, it's time uh, to turn our attention. We've got a special guest joining us here momentarily. Uh, Sean Brink is going to join us. He's an author. And 
just real quick before we before we bring him on, he he's a, he's a Christian author, or he's an author who happens to be a Christian. I guess is the more appropriate thing to say because he he writes books and novels, um, they're fiction stories, but it's also of a genre that is uh, of the horror genre, and so it's there's like fantasy, there's the supernatural, there's horror, you know, there's thriller, there's suspense, there's many sub genres to it. But it's going to be fascinating to find out just how he writes because we look at Kat Von D coming out of witchcraft and that type of thing, becoming a Christian. But now we've got a Christian that is kind of presenting a fictional work in an area where some people might be like, hmm, this is kind of interesting for a Christian to delve into. But when it gets to the Bible, the Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And Satan, you know, is is the, you know, is a supernatural power roaming the earth like a lion seeking who may devour. So we're not talking about maybe some of the things that you think of on Halloween, but we're talking about you know some potential biblical truths that come out because the Bible does talk about some of these things. So it'll be interesting to see. But as we go into this, just any quick, quick thoughts that you might have about, um, you know, Sean, you know him, you, you've known him for a long time, his writings, uh, things like that, anything that you want to kind of do. Because as we do the interview, um, you know, all three of us are going to be on it. So listeners might hear multiple voices. So again, it's going to be myself, Dan, and, and Sean. So it'll be three of us just to give you a heads up on that. But as we go into it, anything that you would like to do to kind of set up the interview from your perspective? Well, I, I just think that the listeners Tom, are going to be blessed to hear Sean's story and, and to hear is, has gifted him uh, as a writer. And, and yeah, he's so, he's so humble. Um, he, he'd be the last person to ever, you know, toot his own horn. But, um, I, I, I know that, uh, he has a real gift and, uh, my wife who has enjoyed this genre of books throughout our whole marriage. I mean, she was reading this genre when we got married, you know, almost 33 years ago. And, you know, she just raves about, uh, Sean's book. She knows, I mean, she knows the, the, the best writer, uh, you know, knows of their writing over the decades. Um, Frank Peretti and Ted Decker. Uh, and, and she put Sean right in there. So, I mean, that's some pretty good company. Um, but, but his gifts are, uh, his gifts are definitely, uh, being used. And, and like I said, I, I just think that the listeners will enjoy hearing Sean's story. I'm looking forward to hearing it. And, uh, I, I've known Sean and his wife and, and kids for years and very blessed, uh, by them and continue to be. And so, yeah, this will be fun. I, I look forward to it. And now joining us on the show, he's an author. He plays the guitar. He headlined a glam metal band back in high school with his long hippie hair. No, just kidding. But uh, he does play uh, guitar. He does like to write. He's a creative fellow. And in fact, I think he might be our first official guest here on Sanctified Reason. And that is uh, Sean Bring. Sean, thanks for joining us here today. Hey, thanks for having me. So, yeah, so you've got this book that you have written most recently. It's Pets for Legion. You've written some other books. You talk about uh, the genres being like dark fantasy, horror, the supernatural. But you're also a Christian. So I thought maybe before we delve into the actual book itself, we can maybe start with that idea of the genres that you write about. Because some people might think, hmm, you've got an author that's a Christian, 
but he's writing about dark fantasy and horror and the supernatural. But then they don't realize that some of this is actually taken. Your writings are actually taken from things that inspire you from the Bible. So first off, how is it that you got into kind of some of this dark fantasy, horror, supernatural, suspense, and thriller type of genre when you're writing your books? Well, yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a weird matchup. Uh, I, I love speculative fiction. I like writing horror, fantasy, sci-fi, but I am also a Christian. And so, you know, it's just, I've always written stories since I was old enough to hold a pencil. And it's just um, fantastical stories just kind of come out of me from a young age. And being a Christian, it's really not that far-fetched as you might think to start writing about some of these topics, horror and sci-fi and fantasy. If you think about it, I mean, the Bible has a lot of horror stories right in it. You've got people being nailed to crosses. You've got, you've got people, you know, you've got entire civilizations being wiped out by the Israelites as they come in. You've got all these different horrific stories. So it's really not that much of a stretch for me to transfer my faith into this genre. And that's just what I've done. Yeah, you've said that you take a look at your writings and the fiction comes through the eye of a Christian. Now, when you take a look at the different genres broken down, like it's a horror genre, but you got dark fantasy, you've got the supernatural, you got suspense and thriller, which are all kind of different uh, subgenres of the horror genre. And you write uh, in past uh, articles that I've read to kind of research on this is that you, you get some of these ideas maybe from dreams that you might have. Uh, nightmares, things you've experienced in real life, maybe things you fear. So it really comes from things that you have experienced in one way or another where you get your ideas from that then are incorporated into this book, right? Yeah, so I mean, that way, I, I don't think I'm a whole lot different than any other writer. I think most writers get their ideas from just anything that inspires them, from dreams to nightmares to things they experience, the things they've seen. And the only difference is that I'm writing my stories to the eyes of a Christian. So um, what I experience in my dreams, nightmares, what I see, what I, what I uh, observe, um, become the same great storylines as any author, but then just through a different perspective. Is there anything that you like best of those subgenres? I mean, is there anything that stands out? I mean, could, could fantasy be something that isn't like a, on the horror genre, or is that fantasy still kind of like that dark horror and uh, the supernatural still kind of dealing with that dark side of life? Is there anything that stands out more that you prefer to write, or is it just what comes to you, comes to you, and that's what you write? It's, it's more or less what comes to me, comes to me. Um, like I said, my my latest release, like you'd mentioned, Pets for Legion, I would call that a dark fantasy borderlining on horror, Christian horror fiction. And I loved writing that. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the book before that uh, was a young adult uh, suspense thriller novel uh, titled My Gypsy War Diary. So completely different genre. Um, both of them equally fun to write, really. I just love to write. Um, that's what I do for my day job, too. I'm a copywriter. So I just write all the time. Um, but the spec- just I wouldn't say that I like horror more than dark fantasy or more than science fiction or more than uh, supernatural uh, fiction, it's, it all falls under that bigger umbrella of speculative fiction that I like pretty much equally. 
Sean Brink joining us. And uh, Dan, question for you. We're going to talk about Pets for Legion in a second. But, you know, we've talked, Dan, in the past, like Halloween just came and went. And we've talked about the dark side of Halloween and, and how Satan can use some of these things that we celebrate to affect us. You know, you've mentioned the Ouija board story with Tammy several times and and uh, how that was a, an effect on her. But when you take a look at kind of this genre of stuff with dark fantasy, with horror, with the supernatural, people are going to automatically think kind of Halloween-esque type thoughts when it comes to this. So it's kind of a unique situation when you have Sean here writing books based on this type of genre, but then also bringing in that Christian perspective if someone was going to be like, well, he shouldn't be doing that, or maybe it's it's a danger because he might succumb to you know some some demonic thing because he's dealing with the supernatural, what would a response be to somebody that might be like, well, this is something that could be dangerous ground that he's doing? Well, certainly I think, Son, that any Christian who is endeavoring to use their gifts to uh, spread the truth of God's Word and, and also just to reach others for Christ, uh, the way that Sean is with his writing gift, I think any Christian is going to act. Now, you make a good point. Um, because of the nature of what Sean is writing about, um, that might make him an even bigger target because, of course, the devil and his forces don't want to be exposed. They don't want people to really know about them or know the truth about them. And more importantly, they don't want to know how they have been defeated at the cross and how they continue to be driven out, um, almost like, in a way, Hamas is being destroyed today by uh, Israel, the uh, Israel Defense Forces. But you asked the question about Halloween. Now, um, what I think about in terms of this and Sean's writing um, it's connected to what I uh, read and many Christians read, you know, decades ago when Frank Peretti came out with This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness, which, by the way, you know, Sean's books, uh, many of them are right out of that, uh, that, that, that same type of, of, of spiritual message, uh, a novel that really drives home the, 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 the spiritual dimension. In fact, my wife, who just you know, uh, raves about Sean's books and has, uh, you know, compared him to Frank Peretti and Ted Decker, you know, who are very well-known uh, authors, but, but, but Sean's writing, um, you know, has, has uh, addressed, you know, a lot of the same issues that, that those men have addressed, but, but it's much broader than Halloween, of course. Uh, you know, in Ephesians 6, when it talks about the spiritual warfare that we are in, um, you know, this is a daily uh, a daily dynamic for Christians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I can't say I've ever personally talked with anyone or come across anyone who has said, well, boy, I don't, I don't think Christians should be writing about uh, these topics. Now I'm sure there may be some authors who, who maybe cross the line, certainly, um, and, and, and even some who are not Christians who write about this and, and, and actually do more harm than good because of the topics that they're writing about. Maybe they uh, are enticing people to dabble with the occult and this sort of thing. But, but um, the opposite is also true, and Sean's an example of that. Um, these topics, which really are, are straight out of Scripture, 
um, even though the stories are invented, um, but but the, the themes are straight out of Scripture, the, the spiritual dynamics are straight out of Scripture, um, rather than being harmful, um, just as people experienced with um, Frank Preddy's books and Ted Decker's books and, and now Sean's books, um, you know, people, um, Christians especially, uh, I think it's good for us to be reminded in powerful ways of these spiritual dynamics. You know, uh, you know, Sean could tell us a lot more about, um, you know, how that happens in his writing. I, I think back to like in Frank Peretti's uh, book, uh, you know, he really dealt with what was going on in this small town and the spiritual dynamics and, and, and the pastor and the people in the church and, and how the devil was trying to really work against their ministry and the spreading of the gospel. So, uh, you know, I, I think what, what, what Sean is, is doing, of course, is very exciting um, because he's using his gifts to kind of open the minds of, of Christians to the invisible realm. And, you know, we live in a day where so much of, of what we're bombarded with is in the natural realm, um, uh, or really, I should say, in the visible realm, not in the invisible realm, but there's this invisible war that's going on. And, uh, and, and the other thing I'll say, too, as far as Sean uh, approaching this, because he is so deeply rooted in the gospel, um, you know, he is, uh, by God's grace, um, very aware and discerning when it comes to, you know, writing about these things, um, not, not obsessing on them. You know, C.S. Lewis said they're too dangerous with the devil, you know, to, to, to just almost think he doesn't exist, or to obsess on him or to see a demon behind every bush. Now, um, you know, I've known Sean for years, and, and that's just not the way he and his wife and family operate. They don't see a demon behind every bush. But, but I think when it comes to his writing, um, he does address things that uh, maybe some other authors don't really um, get into. And it, it can be very helpful, I think, for us as Christians to be reminded often of, of these invisible uh, enemies of our soul and of the gospel and uh, I have no doubt that just like with Frank Freddy and Ted Decker, that Sean's writings are helping Christians to um, remain sensitive to that and also reaching unbelievers um, in, in a way that, uh, you know, some unbelievers, they're not going to crack their Bible, at least, you know, not yet. But, but you know, hey, Sean's book will, will get their attention. And, and so I think it's a very, a very good thing and a, and a wonderful ministry. Yeah, Sean Brink joining Dan Dozell and myself as we discuss Pets for Legion. Sean, can you tell us a little bit about your latest book, Pets for Legion? Um, what's it about? And maybe give us a little tease as to the storyline and maybe the origins from where it came. Yeah, absolutely. So Pets for Legion is the whole idea for that book came out of a story out of the Bible. Um, I don't, uh, for those of you that might be listening, that's not familiar with the story. It's, it's the story where Jesus, uh, came across a man that was possessed by demons and he cast the demons out. But before he does that, um, he asks, what is their name? And, uh, the, the, uh, man that's possessed by demons answers, my name is Legion for we are many because many demons had entered into this man. So. Jesus is going to cast them out, and the demons beg them not to send them away before their appointed time to be punished. So they ask permission for Jesus to send them into a herd of pigs that's nearby. So, so Jesus says, "Okay, I give you permission," and he said he allows them to go into the herd of pigs. And what happens then, according to the Bible, the herd of pigs just go crazy 
and they're possessed by the demons. They run into a lake and they drown. So the pigs die. My question then becomes, well, what happened to the demons? They didn't die. So what happened to them? So that just opened up then my fictional side of my brain and just said, well, what if they're living underneath a town in northern Iowa and uh, harassing and, and uh, imprisoning the residents of that town? And what if just one person there sees through the charade? What would the demons do if they knew one person knew the truth about what was going on? And that's the whole idea of Pets for Legion. There's one woman that discovers what's going on while everyone else in the town is blinded by what's going on. And so once that occurs, you can imagine how the demons react to that and what they try to do to her to keep her silent. And that's the whole idea of the book. Okay, you talk about the demons living under a northern Iowa town. Now, I lived in northwest Iowa, Astorville, and I think I was in that town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I lived in that town where the <laughs> demons were living under. Um, no, but but it sounds like it's a pretty exciting story when you uh, look at it from the perspective of kind of picking it up, you know, where where a biblical story might end and use that imagination and that fantasy to kind of create a story. Um, when you're writing it, do you have the whole story laid out or is it pretty much you have this idea and now you're writing it and as you're writing it, the rest of the story kind of unravels or do you pretty much have the entire story before you start uh, start writing? Yeah, so I know that there's a lot of writers that they really map out their books ahead of time. So they'll have uh, the character profiles and they'll have uh, plot by plot synopsis and they'll have all this stuff all organized out so when they write it, it's very uh, static. They know exactly what's going to happen. Um, I don't quite write that way. I I have an idea of the beginning of the book. I have a beginning of the idea. And I know how it's going to end. And I know some of the plot twists are going to happen in the middle. Beyond that, I don't write anything down. It's all in my head. Um, so when I start writing, the beauty of it, for me anyway, is that it's such a fluid process. It just kind of comes out on its own accord. It feels that way. I mean, I know what I'm. I know what I'm writing. I know what's going to happen, but things can change on a dime. Um, the characters develop almost their own personalities as I'm writing them. Um, it's really quite an exciting experience for me as a writer when I start doing this because it just it's like I'm seeing the story for the very first time, even though I'm the one that's writing it. <laughs> if that makes sense. So that's how that's kind of my idea of how I write a novel. I don't. Um, also, you know, we talk about where my writing comes from and how I write from the perspective of a Christian. Um, but I don't, I, I think this helps out, especially for non-believing readers that read my books, is I don't write them with the agenda, with an agenda in mind. I just write them as a form of entertainment, just like any other novelist might do. Uh, but because of my background and my perspective, it comes out with a certain point of view. But I don't write it in a pre, I try not to write it in a preachy way. I try not to write my books as if I have an agenda that I'm trying to get the um, the reader to believe a certain way or a certain thing. That that all just happens based on my beliefs. So, yeah, that's that's my overall process. So, like for example, Sasha James, the uh, I think the lead character, I would say, in the uh, Pets for Legion book. So she's not necessarily a Christian, but not necessarily not a Christian. That's really not the emphasis. It's more of the story behind what's going on that is the focal point of your writing and then because of your belief because of 
the ideas maybe coming from biblical spaces uh, that might tend to bleed into into the writings? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you're you're absolutely correct with Sasha. She's um, I would say a wishy washy Christian at best, but the whole throughout the story, she has a journey of faith, so to speak. And come to see God in an entirely different light than she did at the beginning. So, how did you become a Christian? What was your salvation story? Oh, you know, I I, I know so many friends that um, that are Christians, and they can say, "Well, they always ask, well, when were you born again?'" And I, and, you know, and, and I'm almost uh, jealous of them sometimes because they have a date and then they have a time, and they say, "This is when I was saved." I I was raised Christian uh, by my parents. Um, that doesn't mean that because you're raised as a Christian that you are a Christian. But but my parents taught me from the moment I could um, first start understanding the, the gospel. They were teaching me the gospel. Um, for me, it's been a lifelong journey. I I consider myself a Christian since I can remember considering myself anything, and. And it's just been a journey of growth. Uh, it's been uh, talked by setbacks. It's been talked by backsliding. Um, but overall, over time, I've grown closer to God. I've got a bit deeper understanding of him. Uh, there's been moments in my life, like I said, where um, I certainly wasn't the Christian that I wanted to be or what I hoped to be. But there's been other times in my life where God showed me grace and mercy and uh, showed me where I need to be and what I need to believe and how I need to believe in him. So for me, it's just been a lifelong journey. Do any of those experiences that you went through, do they ever bleed into your writing? Like maybe you take from your own self and try to write maybe some things that characters might experience in your books, or do you just try to keep it into your imagination and try to keep it separate? Cause I know some authors will try to, you know, not necessarily put themselves in, from their point of view or their perspective or being a main character. But often when we're influenced by things, how we feel, especially like from your writings, it looks like, you know, things such as what you experience, what you feel, what you go through are kind of significant in the inspiration for your writings. Do you ever include yourself in any of that? Or is that something that you just kind of keep, keep separate? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, you know, and, some writers might say that they don't do this, but I, I would be surprised if I found a writer that never put a little bit of himself or herself in anything they write. For me, it's, it's all based, oh, there's always some of me in every character that I write, um, even the antagonist to a certain extent. Uh, there's, you know, I, I write a lot of flawed characters. I write a lot of uh, characters that uh, need a savior, that need God, and maybe aren't walking with them the way they should be. That definitely been me through my life. There's a certain point in my life, you know, you, you joked about me being a clam metal band. Um, so that's not actually too far from the truth. There was a time in my life when that was my priority. Uh, you said I play guitar and I, there was a time in my life when really my priority was being in bands and, and playing music. And it wasn't the Christian music that I should have been playing. It was not that there's anything wrong with playing secular music, but but the lifestyle that I was trying to lead, like I said, I've always considered myself a Christian. I suppose I did back then too, but I was trying to to be a part of the world and to be a part of God at the same time. And anyone that's tried that, I'm sure would agree with me that that doesn't work for any length of time. And so 
I'm definitely a flawed character, and I definitely need a Savior, and I definitely need God, and I definitely need Jesus and His grace and His mercy. And in different times of my life, I look back, I, I'm so thankful that He gave me that grace and mercy so that I could come back to Him like a prodigal child. And that's that's what is written into most all of my characters. They're flawed. They need a Savior. Sometimes they don't realize they need it. Sometimes they're not walking with God. Um, but it's that process of learning, hey, there's a God out there that loves you so much that he died for you. And you have a God that loves you so much that he took away your sins. If you only walk with him and you repent and you believe the gospel. So that's, that's, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's me. I, I've been every character I write to a certain extent in that regard. Sean, you've got uh, pets for Legion out. You have another idea bound by blood. Is that in the works? Is it already in the process of being written? What's the update on, on your newest work? Yeah, so Bound by Blood, uh, that was, I signed a contract or was my literary agent and my publishing house. Uh, we're looking at that releasing sometime in 2024 through Telltale Publishing Group. Um, again, along the same lines as Pets for Legion, it's a just a supernatural horror, uh, urban fantasy, uh, Christian novel. Um, and it's, it's hopefully going to really, uh, rock the house once it releases. I think it will. It's, it's, uh, I've, I'm proud of it so far. So we'll see, um, what happens once it releases, but, uh, we're, we're kind of in the, uh, still in the editing phase. So the editors at Telltale Publishing is going over it. Uh, that's the great thing about, um, publishing, uh, through, uh, traditional publishing houses, the, uh, you get a team of editors to look over and make you look like a super awesome writer. Not that I, <laughs> not that I'm not a great writer, but I will say that they are experts at making my work shine. And that's what they're doing right now. They're, they're in the editing process. So once I get the edits back, we'll get a final product ready. And in 2024, hopefully we'll have a new book out. Pets for Legion. Where can they get it? Where can they get your literary works? Yeah, uh, if, and really it's, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, a lot of people buy through Amazon. I would just recommend that if you do that, uh, go through the search engine on Amazon and just type in Sean Brink. Uh, I write under the names Sean D. Brink and Sean David Brink. Um, but if you want to get my full listing, just type in Sean Brink. It'll pull up everything, all my books between Pester Legion, my Gypsy War Diary, I've got a uh, science fiction fantasy trilogy out. Um, you know, it'll, it'll pull up everything. I'll pull up a list of anthologies I'm included in. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's a good way to do it. If you're here in the Omaha Metro, I would recommend going to the Book Nook. Uh, they are very supportive of local authors, and they carry my book, Pets for Legion, there as well, and all the Book Nook locations in the Omaha Metro. Um, so yeah, so many... Many literary works beyond Pets for Legion. I know you've got Bound by Blood. But as we wrap up, I got this idea. Okay, here's, here's your, your future novel, okay? I, uh, I read somewhere that, you know, you worked for Kmart in your younger days, that uh, you worked overnights, and that's kind of how you got into writing, partly because as you would have nights off or, you know, days off from, from the job, you really didn't want to mess up your sleeping patterns, so you'd stay up late at night and... You know, the only thing that was on were these wacky infomercials, and so um, you were writing. 
So I thought maybe you could incorporate a novel where you have a blue light special gone mad and the Floby comes out of aisle seven and starts attacking people and giving them these really ugly haircuts. And then people like running from that. And, you know, they could be like the demon possessed Floby from the blue light special at Kmart. That's an idea. I will have to try to develop that. Or you know, maybe the I'll sham. Give you credit though. Maybe the sham wow. You know, maybe the sham wow gets a little crazy, or or the slap chop, or you know, any number of those uh, crazy items that they used to hawk on late night television. You know, um, maybe a real estate deal gone bad or something. You know, um, there's probably a lot of things from those late night infomercials that you could probably uh, probably grab. But I definitely think that um, including a blue light special. At Kmart would definitely bring back some memories for a lot of people. Yeah, I will have to keep that in mind. If it develops in my head, I will definitely write it down. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that and that comes in a perfect uh, play, though. Too um, just as a little bit of a disclaimer, you know, we're talking a lot about like Christian fiction, and uh, like you had mentioned, I'm a I'm a Christian who writes, but I'm not necessarily a Christian writer, and that everything I write isn't strictly Christian fiction, and. Uh, but whatever I write, even if it's about Kmart Blue Light specials, it's not going to be anything that compromises uh, the Christian faith. So I can guarantee that. But yeah, I'll have to think about that. See if I can develop that into a story. <laughs> well, Sean, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming on. And for our, all you do, the writings that you do, again, Amazon.com. Uh, just uh, search the name Sean David Brink and his stuff comes up. Get Pets for Legion, and then in 2024, we'll be on the lookout for Bound by Blood. Sean, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Special thanks to Sean Brink for joining us here on the program. You can get his books at Amazon.com. Just search his name, Sean, spelled S-H-A-W-N, Brink, and then you can uh, find all his books there again. Sean Brink, S-H-A-W-N-B-R-I-N-K. Check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can find different shows on there. Plus, if you click the Sanctified Reason podcast logo, all of our past shows pop up. We have an Instagram page at Sanctified Reason Podcast. Again, Instagram at Sanctified Reason Podcast. And you can email the show at Sanctified Reason Podcast at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.